I'm Marco Werman, and this is The World. Music from Tikenja Fakoli, one of the musical activists residing in the West African nation of Mali. We haven't checked in with the news from Mali for a while, and there's a lot going on there. Here's a quick recap. Last year, rebels from the Tuareg ethnic group in the north rose up against a national government based in the south. Then Islamic extremists jumped into the fray and declared northern Mali their turf and imposed Sharia law. That included a ban on music. France intervened, you'll recall, sending in troops and routing the Islamists from cities like Timbuktu and Gao. And this week, an agreement was signed between the government and the Tuareg rebels that will allow the Malian army to secure the north in advance of national elections next month. Sounds like Mali's getting back to normal. We want a revolution. Young people revolution. Intelligent revolution. But in many ways, things remain uneasy in Mali, especially for average citizens and for the country's normally vibrant music scene. Andy Morgan used to manage the exciting Mali and Tuareg band Tenariwen. Now he's exclusively a writer and journalist, and he's just published a report titled Music, Culture, and Conflict in Mali. Andy told me that even though the Islamists have been pushed out and the ban they'd imposed on music has been lifted, tension remains high in Mali. The problem is that music, as you might imagine, depends on a functioning society. It depends on the ability of people to conduct their daily lives, their daily ceremonies that mark the passages of life, be they baptisms, weddings, all that kind of thing. Now, the problem is in in Mali in general, and especially in the North, is that normal life is taking a long time to come back, basically. One of the main reasons is that when, you know, Mali descended into civil war, a lot of people just up sticks and left. And that was also true of a lot of musicians. And so you've got cities like Gao or Kidal or Timbuktu that are still less than 50% of the population that they had before the rebellion. You know, so obviously, you know, music depends on audiences. It also depends on audiences that feel good enough and safe enough to go out and enjoy themselves. And if you're in a constant state of uncertainty, of economic depression, etc., those feelings are hard to come by. You know, Malians had never seen the atrocities that uh, the world saw happen in the North. Music band, thieves getting their hands chopped off, women forced to wear the veil. I mean, the stories are abundant. Do you think the unprecedented appearance and actions of, of these extremists succeeded in intimidating musicians from really opposing them in song? I think, unfortunately, they did. I mean, basically, the strategy that most musicians employed was either to leave the whole, you know, leave northern Mali, which I think at least 80% of them did. The ones who remained, I have talked to a few musicians who who stayed in northern Mali throughout the whole 10-month Islamist occupation. And, you know, what's really strange is the, the thing they said to me is that they just didn't feel like playing music it would have been very dangerous to kind of make a point of it because uh, they would have faced certainly a few days in prison. So what happened is that they tend to either play incredibly discreetly at home with their doors and their shutters closed, or another thing that a lot of them did if they were at home was just to go out into the bush where your isolation protects you. And uh, some of the Tuareg musicians from the northeast, from the Kidal region, 
uh, have families deep in the desert and they would go out and visit them. But even there, I mean, one of the worst things about this occupation, as far as I understand, is the way it has really poisoned personal relations. And apparently the general level of trust between human beings has declined quite dramatically. Mm. And you just do not know who to trust anymore, even members of your own family you've got to be careful about. Yeah, that's also very scary. So tell us what the significance is of this treaty that was struck with the Tuareg. I know it uh, opens the door to Malian troops uh, going in, but that's maybe not what the Tuareg want. Have you heard from any Tuareg musicians about how they feel about this deal? I haven't spoken to any musicians but my feeling is is that this is a treaty of convenience, really. In signing the treaty, the uh, Tuareg leaders have agreed to uh, respect Mali's territorial integrity, which goes absolutely against what they were saying until, you know, recently. It also states that they respect the fact that Mali is a secular state. And one of the signatories is this guy, Al-Habas Agintala, who was with the Islamist faction in the rebellion. So I think they're saying, we need to do this. We need to play ball for the moment, the pressure is on. If we don't, they'll just send the Malian army into Kidal and there'll be a bit of a bloodbath and we don't want that. Better to make our peace with Mali and see if we can basically negotiate some kind of autonomy along the same model as the autonomous region of Kurdistan in northern Iraq, which is often sort of stated as a model, and uh, see if that can uh, you know, bring us what we need, which is development, uh, better schools, better hospitals, better water water facilities, that kind of thing. Now, you devote a part of one chapter to discussing what the late guitarist Ali Farkature would have made of this extremist uprising in the north of Mali last year. And uh, like I've heard from a number of people, there seems to be a sense that he would have gotten his hunting rifle and gone after them. Whatever would have happened. I'm just wondering, is there somebody like Ali Farkature, a musician who represents kind of a leader figure as Mali moves ahead? Not one that unifies all Malian musicians, but certainly within certain strands of Malian music, there are figures who definitely stand in the forefront, I would say. A good example is the reggae singer from uh, Côte d'Ivoire, Tikinja Fakoli, who's a huge figure in Mali. He's based in Bamako. A lot of his songs deal with, with all the issues that led to this mess that Mali's in, like corruption and etc., etc. He's one. There's uh, rap groups as well, like Tata Pound or Les Sofas de la Public, you know, who've taken a really, really clear stand uh, during this crisis. But there's another young singer, a female singer-songwriter called Fatu, Fatumata Jirwara is her full name. Now, she's really coming to the fore as an amazing young talent. Uh, she's playing at this huge Glastonbury festival here in England in a week's time. And uh, she got a large group of, of Malian musicians from all kinds of ethnic backgrounds together back in February to record a song called Maliko, which means peace. I think she's someone to watch, not so much as a leader, but as someone who can really organise musical activism, you might be able to call it, confederate musicians together. Well, we'll go out with a bit of Fatu, Fatu Mata Jawara, and uh, thanks Andy Morgan very much for your time. Andy Morgan, writer and journalist, who's just published a series of reports titled Music, Culture and Conflict in Mali. Andy, thanks a lot. Thank you. My pleasure.
That's our program today from the Nan and Bill Harris Studios at WGBH in Boston. I'm Marco Werman. You can always find me on Twitter at Marco Werman. Thank you for listening. Solo, 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 solo,